Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Love Target? Well, you're about to love it even more. With Target Red Card, you'll save 5% every day, in-store and online. Find the Red Card that's right for you, whether it's debit, credit, or Target's new Red Card Reloadable, which doesn't require an existing bank account or credit check. With Target Red Card, you'll get exclusive deals and free shipping on most items. Visit Target.com slash Red Card to get all the details. It's always a great day to save. Restrictions apply. And now, another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. Marcus, what happened? I was changing my oil and I spilled some on the floor. Oh, we'll use these $50 bills to wipe it up. Perfect. Got any more? Yeah, yeah, take a couple hundred. Stop. Instead of using money, use an old rag. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. This is Brian Reisman. Welcome to Side Jams, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. If you like what you hear, please feel free to check out other episodes and subscribe to keep up with the latest ones. As one of the two lead singers for Visions of Atlantis, Clementine Delaunay provides a soaring and often operatic presence for the group's epic symphonic metal sound. You may have also heard her on albums with her previous group Serenity, and by the Exit Eden Quartet that features like-minded metal women covering pop tunes by Depeche Mode, Lady Gaga, Madonna, Visage, and many others. The new Visions of Atlantis live album and Blu-ray, A Symphonic Journey to Remember, captures the band's energetic performance at the Bang Your Head Festival in Germany in 2019. The quintet performed with the Bohemian Symphony Orchestra Prague in a concert that focused on their latest two albums with a few older songs as well. Interestingly enough, both groups were formed 20 years ago. Beyond singing, Clementine is passionate about veganism and blogging about her experiences in the music business to help those seeking guidance. For episode 31 of Side Jams, we spoke about how she embraced her vegan diet, what inspires her passion for protecting animals and preserving our planet, and how she wants to offer insight for artists seeking to follow in her footsteps. I Skyped with Clementine while she was at home in Lyon, France, where she, like the rest of us, is waiting out this pandemic. Well, good afternoon, Clementine. Thank you for joining me on Side Jams. Thank you, Brian. It's nice to meet you. I'm sort of newer to the Visions of Atlantis world. I mean, I've heard the music before, but I'm enjoying the new live release. I was actually listening to The Grand Delusion okay. before we got <laughs> on, you know, and I like, it's fun to hear, you know, obviously you have the symphonic metal thing happening, but this is literally now you guys are getting to play with an orchestra from Prague. Mm-hmm. And it's for some reason, it seems like orchestras from Prague are in demand. Is there a reason that that city seems to have so much good classical music? <laughs> Actually, I think a lot of cities have a good classical music. It's just that 
I have to make it obvious to everyone. I guess musicians from Czech Republic are unfortunately cheaper. (laughs) So when it comes to having to hire an entire orchestra, they come with a very big advantage. Um, This being said, they're very, they're awesome musicians. I do think that Czech Republic and like some Eastern European countries do have a sensitivity for classical music sure. um, in a certain way. Like you know, there were a lot of young people in that orchestra. So that was a good sign and a good side of it. And so, so yeah. What's interesting is that, you know, rock bands, the music can breathe a little more in the sense that you speed up or slow down and kind of work as a unit. I imagine classical, it's a little different. Um, I mean, I guess they can as well, but it's a little different playing with a rock band. I mean, I'm sure you had to do a lot of rehearsals and make sure the timing is just right, too. Yeah, I think the timing was the biggest issue because uh, organic instruments and orchestras like that, they're not used to play often with bands that are following a click, you know. So these two worlds they had to collide and at some point understand each other. We couldn't slow down or like there was no way for us to move around our tempo because that's that's the trick with our with our songs. And we still had a little bit of backing track sometimes for some effects and some noises that an orchestra cannot replace. So we had to stick to the click and they had to follow that. And, and this required a little bit of adjustment in post-production, but otherwise it went, it went very smooth because in fact, this orchestra, we chose it because they did work with other metal bands before. And this is something they really enjoy to do. So they make it easier. They rearrange stuff on their own to make sure that, that things can be played easily live and they did a fantastic job. It's it's good to have that experience. It's interesting how much has changed, I think. Doing a classical kind of work with a classical orchestra would have been different maybe 20 years ago, but it seems like that's yeah. become a big ambition for a lot of bands. I think it's also yeah, as you said, I think some some orchestras are like open to the idea. Back in the days it would have been like, "What? Playing with a rock band? Are you serious? No, there's no way." You know, <laughs> we're 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 noble. We're we make noble music. You just make noise. <laughs> so I think I think now the this mentality is like sort of dying. Metal has been around for a couple of decades now, so it's more likely that there can be like universe to collide and I think the, uh, Metallica did a great job here with the SNM, you know, Symphony yeah. Metallica. I think they sort of opened up the idea of having thrash and classic music meet, and I think it's great. It's my favorite Metallica album. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. You started blogging because I know that you want to help people learn from your experience. Sure, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you have a lot of different stories. I mean, what inspired you to start doing it now? Well, first of all, the context in which we are right now gave me a lot of time because I'm not touring with Visions of Atlantis. Yeah. And we didn't do anything this summer. And even though we're writing a new album, I have more time on my hands. And my main job being producing shows, I have even more time because I can't produce anything these days. So I decided to use this time to really question the goals I had so far in my life and where I am coping with them. And, and like, do I feel fulfilled or not as, as, a, as a person, as an artist? And yeah. I realized that I have been very lucky. I've got, I've had so many opportunities and my musical career had been like, there's been up and downs, of course, but uh, I felt it was time for me to give back a lot of the things that I that I gained from my my experience and I and I realized I think that some of the greatest fulfillment you can find is by helping others by doing something for the others not just for yourself and it would be half a victory and half a success in this world if 
if I have a career and I don't help anyone, do the same. And I realized, hey, it's been 10 years that you've been around. You might have an insight or you might have an advice or you might have a quote or you might have a something that, you, that you've been through that could help someone else that is exactly in the situation that you had to overcome. And I started to think in that direction and I realized that, yeah, blogging was maybe the most direct way to reach these people and, and to try to make a difference, to try to be supporting and helping others and not just only savoring my own life on my own. Interesting here, he says, one of your latest entries says, my personal challenge, writing the essential kit to be a good live singer. Yeah. 15 articles in 15 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> that was my way for me to really get started and to involve the audience into, into the challenge. That's why I made it pop public. And also because I think it's a good dynamic and it gives people the some some things to look forward to or to, to keep paced with. You know, it's like I give a rendezvous every week about a new article and... Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get started. I'm excited and nervous. I'm scared at the same time because, you know, I'm going to obviously get personal. And the more you reveal yourself, the more you talk about yourself, the more you're sure yourself, the more you're a target for those who would like to use this information against you. Or, yeah, it's not it's not quite easy to be vulnerable on the Internet these days. But I feel like yeah. this is something I, I have to do. So, so yeah, <laughs> there's no turning back. <laughs> Are there any topics you're particularly excited about writing about? Um. Everything that comes more, everything that is towards self-development. Because in the end, uh, what does an artist do and what it takes to be an artist and to be on stage is, is, has a lot to do with your, the personal relationship you have with yourself. And when I realized that for myself, I, I became better thanks to just work on myself and accept myself and love myself. And I think this is, there could be articles about this aspect that could even talk to, pe to people who are not, mus not musicians themselves, you know, because it, like being good on stage is, is the stage actually is, is just a context. It's about how you show up in your life, how you live your dream, how you, how you decide to chase what brings you so much joy. Finding out who you truly are, I think this is just a, everyone's quest. It can speak to so many people, not just musicians. And I think I'm the most, these are the articles that are going to excite me the most because we touch the essential reason for why we're on earth and how we can be happy living in the world we're living in. I've learned this in my own life as far as my writing. It's it's a continuum. So it's funny that when we're in the midst of creating and doing things, you always, you know, you always push yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that has to be better. I still want to do this. And then you get older and you start to look back on what you've done. You're like, wow, okay, I did this, this, and this. And a lot of times too, yeah, I think there's, it's sort of like the idea of the overnight sensation that there, I'm, I'm working on a a movie commentary for the movie Rick Springfield did back in the mid 80s, that movie Hard to Hold. And I, a lot of people don't realize he came from Australia and he started like 12, 13 years earlier doing music. Mm. So for, the, for a lot of people, he was like this overnight sensation in the early 80s, but that really wasn't true. Mm -hmm. It took many, many years to get to that point yeah. to be up there. And you yeah. put in many, many years of hard work singing and performing to get to the point mm. to do this album. It's not like, and I think fans are used to seeing all these things come out. There's so many bands doing things and they probably just assume it's an automatic, it's a given that you're going to keep doing all these things and don't realize the amount of work that goes into it. Mm. Yeah, totally. They, and and they, only, they only see the bright side. They see the end result. They see, oh, the album is out. Oh, they're going on tour, but they have no idea what it takes to actually give birth to a song, to a record, all the talks with the bands, all the, the high and downs, all the, 
all the compromises sometimes that you have to make that are that hurt and all the creative blocks that you can have and 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 the conflicts that make band members leave and everything like be completely upside down and some bands talk about it more openly some bands completely just want to ignore that part but it's it's hard work it's it's continuous hard work to keep doing what we're doing well it sounds like you have a lot of conviction well (laughs) (laughs) there are things i do believe in And obviously, you know, we, we were mentioning before we started about the fact you're a vegan and you're also into animal welfare. Yeah. A big passion of yours. When did when did that all start? Um, a couple of years ago, I think five years ago, I started to to stumble upon videos that were like like uh, anonymous, not not anonymous, like uh, illegal videos. I'd say of right. uh, some corporations that would go into the um, the slaughterhouses and the warehouses where. The chickens and, and, and pigs and, and cows were raised for, for meat. And when I realized all the the cruelty and the pain and, yeah, that I was taking part of by buying meat and dairies from the food industry, yeah, I decided that's not something I wanted to support anymore. And I, I didn't want to switch to consuming things only from, like, small farms and, and so on because I thought this is, was just like a smaller part of the problem i thought yeah. no it, let's make a real choice let's not support any of this so that i can compensate for people who would just go halfway yeah and just be vegetarian which is great enough <laughs> yeah but so i said like let's 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 put all i can on my side that i don't support any of this whatsoever so i quit meat quite fast and then I, a year afterwards I, I was complete vegan what is that like in terms of tour- being vegan and touring in Europe and in the States? What challenges have you faced? Well, I'm lucky enough that this is something that is trending, like to become vegetarian and vegan. So more and more cities have vegan places that open or restaurants and places that at least start to have vegetarian options. So compared to, I guess, even a decade ago, I'm way luckier. So that's, that's a good thing. Um, however, it does not mean that I get to eat properly every time because when we're on tour, the only real meal that we have is a dinner and it's provided by the venues most of the time. Yeah. In Europe, that's how it works. And it's up to the people there to take into account our specific diets. And we, we have a writer, a catering writer in which we say, hey, we love your original food and so on. But there are like three or four vegans in our writer, like in our band, can you pay attention that they have proper things to eat? And most of the time it happens that I didn't have a specific thing to eat. I just could eat just the vegetables. And I have to admit that when you only eat a proper meal, one per meal per day, and it's only vegetables, you tend to to, to, <laughs> to be very hungry at some point. <laughs> yeah. So I always like took stuff, before the tour um looked for like protein bars while being on tour i i try to have another meal during the day where i could eat more <laughs> sometimes some of the people on the on when we realized like on that tour none of the promoters were really paying attention to that detail a lot of bands or a lot of band members were like friendly enough to like hey i saved you an avocado <laughs> <laughs> or like they would like yeah spare me stuff so that I could I could have more to eat or or I would myself like try to collect things for the next day and I end up with like so much food in my bed. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so yeah, it's it's not as relaxed as it, when you eat a regular diet. But I think it's getting better and better. And of course, when you're a bigger band, this this is way more respected from the promoters because because yeah, they suddenly care. <laughs> yes. So there are at least half of your band then is vegan, is what you're saying. Uh, no, um, Michele, our singer, he likes to not eat meat too much. So sometimes he's like, um, I go vegetarian too. And our sound engineer is nice enough to say that he's vegan as well so that we can grow the number of vegans on our writer so that it, so that the promoters can say, oh, it's, it's just one person. No, it's actually more people. <laughs> but, that's cool. But Yeah, that, that's very nice of them. <laughs> it's It's tricky. And I think we were talking about it before. You want the approach to promoting veganism to be more friendly. Yeah. I know people who are vegan, and it, the attitude varies. There's some people that get very militant about it and other people that are yeah. a little more relaxed about it. And I know that that kind of becomes a stereotype, especially, especially people that are more conservative, that they get tired of hearing the preachiness. Yeah. Do you have a certain approach that you take when you're speaking to people about veganism and why you think it's a good idea to switch over? I don't talk about it. I just be. And that's the best mm. thing that worked on my side. It's like, I just turned vegan, like people know about it, my friends, my bandmates and so on. Like I even had my drummer try, like he's a very meat oriented person and he tried to become a vegan just because he saw that I could be and everything was fine, you know, and he had heard that it's better for your health and so on. So he said like, oh, well, I'll try, I'll try, I'll try. And I know that if I would have preached for that or if I tried to turn people, they would have been completely on, on a defense mode, you know, because they would feel attacked, like if I would judge them. And I think this is the worst way. When you try to convince someone of something, you don't want to judge them because if, if you, they feel judged, they will never listen to you. So I, I just was myself. I was just being like, like I want to show an example. You know, I, I, I just, I don't want to convert people. I want people to, to understand and believe that this is possible and this is nice and this is healthy and this is colorful and still tasty and all and all of that so i sure i share my own food sometimes that i that i cook on instagram and all of that and i and i talk about just vegan food being good i'm just saying like, i'm having a good time i'm not saying like you guys should turn vegan too because then you're going to have a good time no it's more like right. hey it's nice and it's it's good but I, I i try not to preach at all and i think this is and it worked so far like i have like i have people following me through visions of atlantis like fans who who already said, like, I'm turning vegetarian because of you, I'm turning vegan because of you. I'm like, I didn't do anything. I just communicated, like, in, in the most enthusiastic and natural way about it, and, and that's it. And the only time I remember, I guess, you know, the, the ones who preach are the new, the new converted vegans, because I've been there. I've been there, I remember, mm. like, when I turned vegan, I... I had seen so, so many cruel videos. I, I was kind of pissed at myself that I, that I closed my eyes on that for so long. You know, the only thing I regret about being a vegan is that I didn't turn earlier. And, right. and I think that anger I had towards myself, I projected on other people. And I remember I made a couple of posts or I shared some things in my stories sometimes that were a little bit more, let's say, not aggressive, but a little bit more uh, pointing fingers at, at people. And I think this, I think that this was the wrong way. Just because I was judging myself that I let that happen for too long. And I, I, I was like, so, you know, it's very, very common in psychology to do that. <laughs> yeah. So if you, if you really want someone to try something new or drop what they're doing, just show by example that it's fun and, and nice to do what you're doing. 
living in the states here, we're not really a culture of moderation anymore in a lot of different <laughs> ways. As you guys can probably tell lately, we're getting into a lot of heated arguments about a lot of things over here. Sure, um, absolutely. Yeah. And there's a lot of uh, social media. It's interesting. Social media can work well for that. It can also work negatively. I'm sort of learning to mm. filter out a lot of the noise. Um, yeah. It's true. You know, I, I sit there and I think, you know, I have certain beliefs about things in life and I've I've learned that, yeah, being preachy about things at, up to a certain point doesn't work. It works. On, sometimes you have to call people out on things if they're ignorant or saying something yeah. stupid. But there are the times, too, that people say things and you know that they're they might be saying it out of ignorance, but they're not saying it out of like an angry place or they just they just yeah. don't know. And I guess it's finding the balance of understanding. Because I even see that even on my Facebook page where like people are sort of on the same side, quote unquote, but they immediately misinterpret something that somebody says. Yeah. And I, and I have to sit there and, and look and go, well, you got to really see how the, somebody worded something and not just immediately react. Mm. Oh yeah. We're, we're totally into reaction, which, which is the proper of ego. You know, ego is, is here. It's not exactly who we are, but it's, it's the one that reacts. It's the one that is, feeding on all our insecurities and our past experiences and our wrong beliefs and our judgments and we don't connect with people for our from our ego we just bump into someone else's ego and this is how we just fight on internet and no one listens to the other and it just leads nowhere and i regret that internet is so much about that energy instead of people trying to actually exactly understand what the other mean or meant and yeah. we got in quite a let's say, uh, misunderstanding when it came to that Black Lives Matters uh, event, you know, uh, yeah. where everyone reacted online about what, what happened. We respected the day where everyone said, like, this day everyone should go silent. We didn't post that black square because yeah. that's not our way to do like everyone else. But we did not post. We, re- we did respect that silence. But then on the next day, we, we wanted to share our own vision of what it meant, means to live together and mm. the problem was that we did we didn't know that the words we used were actually words that are used in the u.s by certain other parties that is like extreme right parties and so on and yeah. we got insulted <laughs> we got uh bashed completely uh by american people because we made a diplomatic mistake but yeah. it was just a mistake and I was amazed by the rapidity and the, with which these people just judged us instead of trying to understand what we actually meant in yeah. our message, which was a positive message of inclusiveness, like like having everyone on board, like we all live in here together. We shall not, no one should feel excluded. And that's what we meant, you know, and, and yeah, our message was totally misinterpreted. How, how did it get um, misinterpreted? Would people think you're saying because, the opposite? Yeah, because we used this, we used all, li- all lives matters, you know, we, we didn't know that this, this specific oh, word. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you see, yeah. And well, the cultural thing, yeah. Yeah, actually, absolutely. And you have to understand that we from Europe don't get the, the story under the same spotlight as it's broadcasted in the U.S. And we also have to deal with minorities and communities in our countries, too, that create different kind of tensions. And it's very difficult for us to like of course everyone's like we're not racist and and we're terribly like we think it's so unfair that someone would get treated differently because of its skin color you know this is this is awful but we we can't get the sense of that the way an american citizen does it's impossible we don't have the culture we haven't we didn't live in the united states 
Um, well, yeah, we have more. We have a lot more extreme ideologies here now. I mean, it's like I said before, it's moderation. You know, and it goes on both sides. Yeah. You know, I consider myself moderately liberal, but like I was saying before, occasionally I get people that are, are more on the left than I am and who kind of jump on things. I mean, I don't like the the hardcore conservative rhetoric either, but it's it's strange. I think, I, you know, I, I sort of get the sense that Europe is different than America. You when I when I, I remember the first time I went, I had been I went to Spain when, when I was in high school. Okay. And then yeah. I then it finally didn't get back to Europe until like ninety nine when I was sent on a junket to Copenhagen. Okay. And I was watching the news there, and they're talking about you know the break between Timor and East Timor. Those countries wouldn't make the news in America. Mm. Like there were things that were being reported on in the news in Europe that just weren't being touched on in America. In America, the problem we have over here, I think we're kind of in a bubble, so okay. it's very much so it's centered on us. And, yeah. and that's the problem is, you know, we need to sort of see the rest of the world. I mean, what's going on right now with the pandemic is terrible. But I remind myself every day that I still, even though there are a lot of problems over here, that I, and I'm in a better place than people in a lot poorer countries. Yeah. Um, I'm still managing to survive and work in a, in a career that in a profession that's already difficult as it is. Mm. I don't know. I could go on and on about it. But yeah, I, I, I see that, you know, it, 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 I wish more people would travel yeah period you know i know there's people in europe that probably don't travel there are people in america that don't travel and it's good to see other parts of the world yeah which you've yeah. gotten to do well hopefully <laughs> hopefully at least i i'd love to to travel as a real traveler because when you're touring it's it's you're not really traveling you know it's, it's every every day is a new city um in the u.s it's like every two days is a new state which is completely different from the state before yeah yeah so Hopefully, yeah, I, I get to travel again and 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 come back play in the U.S. because we were on a U.S. tour when this this entire crisis hit your country and we had to go back before we were done with our shows and, and yeah. that was a huge bummer. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we we hope for this to to sort of settle, but uh, you know the signals are that it won't get better before at least uh, fall next year, if not 2022. You know, I was thinking too, getting back to you know your veganism and touring. I mean, you like to cook. Yeah. Does that help on the road if you don't if you can't find the right cuisine? I mean, is there any? You, how much are you able to cook on tour? <gasps> Not at all. Ah. <laughs> because we live uh, we live in the tour bus uh, that doesn't have a kitchen. You know, we have a fridge, uh, but there is no stove. Uh, there is there is nothing. So no no we do, you don't get to cook on tour, unfortunately. When we'll have the financial thing, I'll, I'll have a cook with us because some bands do that. They have their own cook on tour, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I think is, is is awesome. But I mean, this is luxury, of course. But uh, so no, I don't. Unfortunately, don't get the chance to cook on tour. But when I'm home, I, I enjoy that, especially when I can cook for other people because I this is a one of my ways to to treat others and to show my affection because food is very important to me and yeah and for a lot of other people and especially French people, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought I'd care about gardening until I bought a house in the suburbs. But now I find myself in conversations about liquid fertilizer, and I wonder, am I the fertilizer guy now? <laughs> no, no way. Everyone knows the ratio between phosphorus and nitrogen, right? Yeah, I'm still totally cool. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. What are your favorite things to cook? Oh, I don't have a favorite. Uh, I like to. I love to get creative to work around different textures and savors and um, trying to step 
out of my comfort zone and mixing different influences from Thai and um, Asian cuisine with with some more French approach. It's it's like it's like a fusion thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like I like to bake too. It's always a challenge to to turn uh, regular cakes into vegan ones, but it's uh, really it, it, yeah. How so? Because in order for a cake to hold itself itself up, you generally use eggs, and of course, in the vegan cooking, you don't. So you yeah. have to replace eggs, and I mean, there are ways to do that. There are different ingredients that sort of do do the trick, but it doesn't always doesn't always work. But the thing is. When you really manage to put together a very nice vegan cake or cookies or muffin, they don't have so much butter, but they don't have butter at all. They don't have milk. They don't have cream or eggs. So they're lighter, which means that you can just eat more of them. And this is just beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember I was in Chicago a few years ago and I was meeting, meeting with some people who were, some of them were vegan. So we went to a, it's like this, it was like a diner basically that had a vegan approach. Nice. And I remember having the chocolate, vegan chocolate cake and it was great. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Are you saying because it's lighter, then is it less caloric? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. You're telling me I can eat yeah. more chocolate? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good thing. <laughs> is there any dish that you made recently that was challenging for you? I made my first layer cake for a birthday party uh -huh. for one of my best friends on, on Sunday. <laughs> um, so it was a pumpkin-based cake that I decided to make it. Like, I made two of, the, of these, and then I had to make a chocolate like ganache in the middle mm. and then and then icing the cake in a way that it's vegan as well i bought special material for that and i was my first one and it worked pretty fine of course you always make some little mistakes every uh, first time you try a new recipe but the the final was always good and they liked it so i guess i'm gonna do more layer cakes in the future <laughs> that's cool are there any regular dishes like for lunch or dinner anything that you tried recently that was interesting or challenging let me think. Um, and you mentioned Thai cuisine. I love Thai food. Yeah. I, I love to make my own Satan. I don't know if you know Satan. It's gluten-based, so that's absolutely not gluten-free friendly. It's, 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 it, yeah. it is pure gluten, so you, I, I don't recommend to eat too much of that. But making your own gluten and spicing it up yourself and baking it, is, is, it's, it's very nice. It's, uh, it's very nice. It can fake, you can fake meat with this in a very nice way. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah. Um, What's the difference between seitan and tofu? Tofu is based on soy. The main ingredient is soy. Uh, seitan, the main ingredient is, is gluten. Okay. So it's totally different origin. It's great to mix, actually. It's not cool to only eat soy-based products. It's not cool to eat too much seitan because it's, it's obviously gluten. And this is proven not to be the healthiest thing if you eat too much of it. But it's it's like it's like in a, any regular diet. Like you do you don't want to eat red meat every day, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. My mother has a, a gluten and uh, sensitivity. Yeah. And we went to Spain five years ago, and you know, you don't have GMOs over there. Mm. You don't have Monsanto, so she could eat whatever she wanted, nice. and it didn't affect <laughs> her. She had cakes, she had cookies, and bread, <laughs> and then she come back to the states, and you can't. She can only do a little bit of that at a time. Mm, um, so yeah, the, the food yeah. over there is even, even the meat over in Europe is different. We just don't you, don't you guys don't have all of the additives and you know I don't I guess I don't think they have the processed foods in Europe that they have here. Um, yeah, I think the worst example of processed industrial food is is, is unfortunately in the United States. Indeed, yeah, um, like the the large huge industrial farming thing. It's, it's yeah, <laughs> but there are also 
like I think the U.S. is is wonderful for it's so diverse and it's in both extremes. Like you have the yeah. sometimes the worst solutions and yet the best solutions coming from the same place and. That's great. You can't just say like America is just garbage or America is amazing. It's like, no, it has really both sides. And uh, yeah, we're a, we're a culture of extremes. I mean, that's something that I've noticed. It's I think part of the problem when it comes to food is that we live a very fast paced lifestyle. Yeah. So a lot of people are overworked and they have more than one job. And so the easiest thing for them to do is to to go out and get quick, fast food or to eat yeah. something that's convenient and not necessarily healthy. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's the challenge moving forward. I do feel like the younger, I mean, I'm Generation X, so I look at like millennials, which is your generation, and then Gen Z. There's a lot more kids, for example, that are coming up vegetarian and not because their parents have encouraged yeah. them to do that. They just do it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and you know, same thing with recycling. I mean, it's just certain things that are interesting. And while I think there's a lot of turbulence going on right now, I feel hopeful that younger people see the world in a different way. So mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of changes that will come. It'll probably be when I'm a lot older. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a rough transition, but I feel like, you know, they, they have a different view of the world and they're kind of more aware about climate change. They're more aware about yeah. their diet. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I look at the pandemic and honestly, even though I'm a meat eater, I've, my, my girlfriend and I have been trying to eat less meat. It's at the point where we just say, you know, there's kind of a reason these things keep happening and the pandemic stem, stem from a meat, you know, like an outdoor meat market. Yep. I mean, you th- yeah. th- th- is that not a hint? <laughs> I mean, yeah, absolutely. Is, is Mother Nature not saying something to us? I mean, it's pretty yeah. obvious. So we should we should look at it. I mean, I as much as I don't like what's happened as far as people dying, I'm hoping that this is sort of a reset button for a lot of people in their lives. I and, do think so. Yeah. I mean, have you have you thought about your life differently as this has gone on now that everything's well, slowed down? We had a severe lockdown in, in France. We were yes. forbidden to, to go out for two months. So I, I went back to my mom's because she lives in the countryside. So I totally loved that period of time. Everything had slowed down. I didn't have to do a hundred things a day. I could really like take my time. Have like, and that, that's the reason why I came up with, with the idea of blogging and getting into it is because I had the time to think of the meaning my ha- my life had and and how... And how happy I was, you know, when you're caught into your, your, your daily work and, and as you said, like rhythm, you, you don't have the time to, you know, nor the space in your head to think about all that sometimes. And I totally loved the period of time. I even doubled it. I stayed, I stayed there two months more because even though the lockdown was over, like all the bars and the restaurants remained closed for a while. And I was like, there's no point for me to, to go back in my little apartment in Lyon and have all the, these advantages of the city without its own advantages, which, which is the nightlife and being, yep. going out with friends, you know, this, this is not, if this is forbidden, then I, I don't want to come back. Um, so I myself realized how important it was to live close to the nature. I, I know that I'm not going to stay in where I live now for, for, for another very long period of time, because I, I miss just living by the nature, opening up your door and being outside and still at your place, yeah. having like some green around you, being being able to connect with where we come from. And I guess, yeah, this revealed itself as a real priority to me to, to live closer to nature for sure. And to be sure that I, I do more of what I love and I don't completely dive into another work rhythm that doesn't make sense or doesn't bring me joy even on a daily basis you know i but it's 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 sometimes easier to to know than than to apply <laughs> cuz your life is catching up you know very fast too so yeah no, i know 
I've been working a lot, and uh, I thought everyone's like, "Oh, I'm catching up on my binging and my reading." I'm like, "I'm not," you know, because <laughs> I'm, 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 I feel fortunate that I'm still able to work and do stuff. Mm. I think some people are there are some people that are rethinking, you know, their lives, and I, it's going to be interesting to see when people have to go back and spend money they weren't spending before, or have to deal with things they didn't have to. What they're going to think about that? Like mm. maybe things that were responsibilities or things they had to do that they're not doing right now. You know, we live in a very fast-paced world. I, I, I don't know how, if you're, how Europe compares with America these days. But, you know, it's good to slow down a little bit. It's sad that it had to happen this way. Mm-mm. But hopefully, you know, we'll see some positive things come out of this. Including seeing I, you on the road again. <laughs> well, the thing is, a lot of people are using this expression, like, the world from before and the world after. You know, it's yeah. like, these are expressions I hear a lot, like... Um, I hear a lot of people who just want the world to be how it was before this crisis. And yeah. I think that if we want to go back to exactly where we were, then we did not understand what this whole thing could teach us about the way we were actually living our lives and that created this. So those who say, I just want a world to be like it was before, I think uh, I don't see so much hope for humanity when I hear that because I'm like, okay, so you don't. You don't want to drop anything that you're doing for a better collective good, because I, right. I, I think our, our planet is a collective good that we all must preserve. And Absolutely. If you just want to have your little normal life that you had back then without minding this kind of issues, then I'm sorry you don't, you don't deserve to, to enjoy it this much because you, don't, you take it for granted. So I, I, don't, I don't hear so much hope when I hear that. On the other hand, a lot of people are already showing signs that they're adapting to a new set of rules. Exactly. And that they realized that there were things they were doing that they actually don't need, that there are things they were getting, like, like they realized what was the most important during the lockdown, like having, having real friendships and having things that you love doing. I mean, if you lock myself into a place and you just give me a piano and and some watercolors and 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 paper, I, I, I can be quite happy with myself because I have found things that I love to do and a lot of people haven't. And I just hope that when they're given the time, instead of complaining that they lost the world they loved, that they can create a new one because they would take the time to create new things that they would love in those new circumstances. I think those who adapt will always make their way and create another world that, that could be sustainable. Those who just want to keep what they have and sort and never drop any privileges or any material comfort or whatever, it's not the people that can bring a change that would be significant. I think we're being humbled by mother nature. I think this is what, what's yeah. actually really happening right now. And I'm, well, it sounds like you're going to have a lot of interesting topics for your blog out of all of this too. Well, we'll see. The thing is, yeah, I, I want to help people become better live musicians, but in a context where there is no live show. So sometimes I'm like, is that a complete lack of timing here? Or <laughs> <laughs> Well, but there will be live music. It's going to be different. Hopefully I'll get to meet you guys in person next time here in New York, whenever that is. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. And never, never hit New York. We're supposed to play Brooklyn. <laughs> I think the one thing I didn't get to ask you about, you, do you do Animal Rescue? No, unfortunately, I don't because um, you're into promoting animal welfare. Promoting is is, is a well is, is a big word for now because I I, I just like uh, talk about being being a vegan and and okay. which is about like protecting life, respecting life itself, and yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. But I'd I'd love to 
if I had like honestly, if I if I didn't have to have a regular job and I would live in the countryside, I guess if there was it would be a, a shelter for wildlife. I'd love to give a couple of hours here or there when I could because I I love wildlife and it's been so mistreated by by hunters here in France and yeah people in in, in general like um, I don't think that the coexistence of human life and and the wildlife is as always doesn't work in the favor of wildlife and I, I'd love to at some point be able to contribute there too but for now yeah. it's, it's not yet the right time frame. Well, thank you, thank you, and good luck with the, the live release. Thank you. Thank you, Barry. Thank you very much. Well, I'll talk to you later on. Yes, sure. Okay. Totally. Bye-bye. That wraps up this latest episode of Side Jams. Please join me for the next installment, which will be coming soon. The tunes used in this episode are from Fox and the Law, and I licensed them through AudioSocket. As always, thank you very much for listening. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You used to associate crickets with silence. But since you bought a house in the suburbs, you know crickets hate silence. If any other creature realized rubbing its legs together made a piercing high-pitched noise, they might think, maybe I won't do that. Constantly. All night long. Luckily, you can save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. Now that's something to make noise about. Just not constantly. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.